0: to the newest episode of penpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matt Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services, and the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I am joined by a very special guest with a very special cause, um, award-winning filmmaker, Jan Edwards. Jan, how are you today?
1: I'm doing fabulous, Matt. I'm so thrilled to be with you this morning. And I also, I love that you do ghostwriting and pen for hire because for some, a lot of times I do my own writing, right? I've written two films and a book, but not on human trafficking. And uh, I love to write. And I so appreciate people that support other people that want to get their stories out and just don't quite have the, whether tools, technology, wherewithal, whatever that is. Um, And grateful for people like you to be able to uh, work hand in hand with them. I
0: thank you for, for that shout out. It's um, a lot of people don't realize how much work is involved in a book until they start. And then absolutely comes that question
1: of, do I want to finish this? Can I finish this? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Do I really want to leave all this information? Yeah, I totally get it. And, and appreciate it when there's people that step up alongside, you know, well, and you know what? There's there's so
0: many people like yourself out there who have tremendous information to share, right? Things that can make this world a better place. Mm, and yes. if it can't get out there, it can't do anything, right? So right, I would right, love right. to learn a little more about your story. Um, you know, the timing that you know I didn't realize April was yeah Child Abuse Prevention Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the timing of you being on the show might have been by design. Might just be by by blind luck, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about your mission and how you how you got involved with it.
1: I'm going to go by divine uh, divine order. So um, uh, I'm going to go way 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 back when to 2013. I was at the UN up in New York. I used to travel up to New York all the time, and uh, it was the it's called the Get Health Summit. They have it all over the world where they really used to, and um, it was gathering people from all around the world dealing with what they were dealing with in the realm of medicine and technology and telecommunications and just a variety of things. And uh, I was listening, I was in the audience listening to a panel and, you know, and I have to believe your your listeners slash viewers can get what I'm about to say, that you've been to a conference or an event and you either meet someone or you see them from across the way, you've heard them speak. You're like, I need to get to, I got to talk to that person. It was that kind of moment for me. I met a gentleman by the name of Dr. Mahari. He's a neurologist out of um, Kentucky and he has a 501 C3 called people to people where he gathers the dispara meeting the people that no longer live in a country uh, of Ethiopia to assist the orphans. And we, you know, met exchanged information, chit chatted a couple of times and, you know, emailed him to try and connect. And he's like, Hey, look, I'm going to Ethiopia. I can't really talk to you until I come back. So, okay. I'm like, sure. Great. Have a good time. Send pictures. Right. And, uh, he sends me an email right back. He goes, do you want to go? Well, it's not every day you get invited to go to Ethiopia. So I, you know, did the math and I went and it was there that I learned about human trafficking. And it was one of those moment in time that I'll never forget. I'm looking out the window and of our little white van and I'm in Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia. They have two stoplights. So you can imagine what the traffic's like. And, you know, so it gets all it gets all messed up and then finally get to break free. And it was one of those moments where I look over and there were two older men, two younger girls and it just didn't feel right. You know, that funky feeling you have in your tummy when things are right. When I got back to my sponsor's house, I shared with him what I saw and he's like, oh yeah, that's human trafficking. Now you gotta get, this is 2013. Maxwell hadn't happened, Epstein hadn't happened, Nygaard hadn't happened, R. Kelly hadn't happened, right? No one was talking about human trafficking in the main, main space, right? I looked and I go, what are you talking about? He goes, Jan, we have 4.5 million orphans in Ethiopia. We're the number one source of human trafficking in the Middle East. And I'm, I'm staring at him where some of your listeners might be kind of in the same space right now. And I, I remember looking at him, I go, hang on a second. I go, are you telling me people are selling people? Like I couldn't wrap my head around it. This is 2013, like, what are you talking about? We had the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, 18, whatever, 65. And uh, he's like, "Jam," he said, this is a $150 billion industry, like, where you been? Like, well, Orlando, happiest place on earth. We don't really talk about that kind of thing. Right. So it got was right there, was laid on my heart. I came home, did some research, and found out that Florida has the third highest number of calls to the national trafficking hotline in the United States behind California and Texas. By the way, New York's five, um, Ohio's number four. Wow. And yeah, and I was like, it just, it knocked me back. I'm like, okay, Ethiopia, I'm coming for you. But I got to fix my own backyard first. So I went on a quest. My background's in telecommunications. I worked for a Fortune 100 telecom company a long time ago. And so we did research before we did anything. So I'm trained, right? It's what I did. So I went out and I talked to law enforcement. I talked to undercover law enforcement. Talked to survivors. And all I I asked them all the same question. What's missing? The presence of which would make a difference. And they all said awareness. No one knows this is happening. Well, my background's in marketing and advertising. That was something I could do. So I'm like, okay, great. So I'll create, you know, an awareness campaign. And the more I started talking to people, the more I started understanding and learning that these predators were targeting our children. At the time, the average age of recruitment and grooming was 11 to 14. And I'm like, okay, okay. Clearly, I need to talk to parents, right? If they're talking, if they're targeting our kids, I'll educate our parents. Well, at the time, and still to this challenging, the parents are just like, no, 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 not my kid. It's okay for you to believe that, and it's not the truth. Um, and, and the parents were super resistant. I'm like, okay, fine. Now, people think I'm from New York, by the way, Matt, and I'm not. Um, so I have a little bit of the chutzpah that, comes, that people are known for up in New York. And I'm like, fine, well, if you're not going to talk to your kids, I will. So we've created a curriculum to go into schools, and we've educated over 18,000 young people and their families in the past five years, face-to-face, right, eyeball-to-eyeball, about this topic, because we're committed to educating our kids for them to understand what human trafficking is, what online enticement and grooming is, to empower them to once you know something, you can actually take an action and do something about it so we can prevent it together. That's where our mantra is educate, empower, and prevent. So we go into schools and we show them our award-winning film called Trapped in the Trade, which does the heavy lifting for most of the conversation and it covers that, you know, that children are recruited intentionally and sometimes they're recruited by other children. So it tells a story of intentional grooming and recruitment of children by children, which leaves the door wide open to have an amazing conversation afterwards. I'm a huge fan of the Socratic method of education. And so I ask great questions. I'm like, okay, what would you do in that situation? How would you interact? How would you get her out? How would you not get in that situation, right? What would you do if you saw this was happening at school and you knew that something was off? How would you talk to? So I really want them to do the thinking. I really want them to do the critical thinking about problem-solving in particular, when their life's at stake. Thank you for listening to the
0: penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Social media isn't about simply posting links to your book multiple times on a day on every platform you can think of. It is a complex process that takes time and strategy, as well as content and purpose. Creating and managing social media campaigns can feel like a full-time job, especially if you don't already love doing it. Don't wait until your book is done to think about how to tell the world about it. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. I love it. <laughs> I agree with you completely too on the method because nobody, this is a conversation I have with clients writing a book, is no one wants to be told anything. No, no one wants to hear that you're right or that you know something Yeah, Obviously you do know something. That's why you're sharing it, but you need to get it across in a way that's relational. And the person wants to receive the message. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, and with kids that I've been back out in front of young people really since them, you know, towards the fall of last year, but the past month and a half, I've had the opportunity to be in front of about a, a 2000 kids and, the first thing I generally say to them is like, yeah, it's been, you know, a heck of a couple of years. And Matt, you can watch their shoulders drop. It's like, Oh, thank God. Someone's going to talk to us about this, you know, because our kids have been, they've had the most impact of the past two years in any group of human beings. And I'm going to give you some numbers that, you, you know, our brain learns in two ways. As you know, it, it, got, it holds facts and it likes stories. It's why we tell stories. So I'm going to give you some facts and I'm going to weave some, some, share some stories in between. So I'm going to give you three numbers, 8, 10, and 29. Okay, 8. It takes less than 8 days to groom and entice and recruit a child to send an inappropriate picture to a stranger. On social media. Less <clears> than eight days. There was a little girl here in Apopka, Florida that she was interacting with a 26-year-old male out of Georgia. And she thought that was her boyfriend. You know, how he was talking with her, how he was treating her, what he provided her emotionally. He drove down from Georgia. She willingly got in his car. It's a very important piece she willingly caught in his car because she thought she was safe with him. She thought this guy loved her. That's her boyfriend. Luckily, they caught her before they crossed state lines, right? So there's a happy ending, so to speak, for that. Eight days on Instagram. Wow. Eight days. You know, and, and I liken it to my example I like to use is, you know, Matt, let's say me and a bunch of my friends came up to the US Open. I have a question Are you a professional tennis player? I am not. Okay, great. So if we all got center seats for the U.S. Open, right, Serena Williams down on center court, and she goes, Matt, come on down to play, who'd win? She would. Same thing in the online arena. You've got a 45-year-old male and a 13- or 14-year-old child. Who's going to win that conversation? The adult, because they've put everything of their lives online. Everything. Everything. We're doing a survey with uh, young people. We're working on another project, and so we're trying to, again, gather research. And I ask everybody this question. I'll ask you too, Matt. We'll play along. What's more important to you, safety or privacy?
0: Ooh, that's a good question.
1: So uh,
0: I, I am a big constitutionalist, and so... I really can't answer that question because I I do believe security is paramount, but I'm not necessarily willing to sacrifice too much
1: privacy.
0: There's gotta be be
1: a happy. Well, you know, it's funny is all of the young people that we've surveyed so far say safety. They're like, look, I've been out online for, since I was 12, my whole life's online. And so I, until I actually build the bridge for them between privacy and safety, like you can just see it wash over them, that it had never occurred to them that sharing everything about their life could actually potentially put them in danger. Yeah, like telling conversation.
0: Conversation. you're going on vacation, my house is going to be empty for the next two weeks.
1: We, Yeah, exactly. Same kind of concept. So that's been very, very interesting. Second number. 10. The average age has gone from 11 to 14 when I first started this down to 10 to 13. And why is that? It's been boggling my mind, by the way. So last week, I was in front of a bunch of fifth graders. And I asked them because i it's the first time I've been with younger people. My, our sweet spot to educate middle school, in particular, Title I middle school, They're, those kids are so grateful for us to come in and have this dialogue. All kids are pretty much, but in particular, Title I kids. And so, you know, this is fifth grade. These are 10 year old kids. I remember when I was like, I just wanted to play and, you know, do all kinds of fun stuff. And I didn't have any of the electronics they have now, but I'm pretty clear my brain wasn't where theirs is. So I asked questions. I'm like, how many of you have a mobile device? They all had a phone. They'd all been given tablets two years ago, right? So they're in fifth grade. They've had access to the internet and a tablet since they were in third grade. I found out the kindergartners got iPads. So from K through three, they got iPads. So you've now just put a device in the hands of every single child with internet access. Okay, I'm gonna set that over there for a sec. And I said, okay, how many apps do y'all have on there? Average, anywhere from 10 to 29 apps on their devices. Half of those apps have chat. I said okay and I'm like like I'm tiptoeing into this question thinking I'm either going to not ever be asked back right or this is going to be eye opening for all of the adults. I said how many of you have received an inappropriate DM from a stranger? Every single hand went up. 10 years old. They're getting messages and pictures from strangers. I'm like, okay. I was like, all right, I can talk to this group. I'm not going to frighten them because they're in the middle of it dealing with it, right? So that's why the age dropped because we put devices in our baby's hands, which comes to the last number I'm going to give you, 29. So the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children received 29 million reports of child sexual abuse material last year. Wow. Up from 21 million the year before. Up from 16 million the year before. The past two years have put our children in a position that I I have to believe was unintended. I have to believe that, if not, it'd be in a little fetal position over in the corner, right? Well, I but think- our children. Yeah, our children have been under attack since then. Because predators knew our kids were going to be sequestered. They were going to be at home. They were going to be bored stiff. What are you going to do?
0: I think the word you used before is is really powerful, awareness. Because there are just so many people that for whatever reason, not good or bad, just don't realize that statistic you gave of the number of apps and the ones that have messaging capabilities, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I've played games. I know. So my kids, all of the games they have, the chat is disabled. Mm -hmm. And if it is, the only people they're allowed to connect with are the kids they go to school with. And even then there are situations of one kid sending a completely inappropriate link. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't grow up playing, you know, on that borderline, it would go completely over your head and the schools reacted poorly. Um, They thought they were doing the best thing by giving out these devices, but you know, everyone thought they were doing the best things with all these mandates that shifted day to day, hour to hour without really thinking about what are the long-term repercussions Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of the Mm actions we're taking. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, you know, I was having this conversation last night with some friends. Look, I, you know, We've never been in this situation before, not in this time. Nobody knew what to do. Right? And so there's no fault or blame. There's no, you know, but there is a monicum to point what you said. Just to pause for a minute and go, okay, do we have any studies on the impact of this on kids? Do we know? Do we have, just so we can get a sense of, and here's the deal. Prepare for it. There are little kids right now that are having a hard time speaking because they were born in this time, they were one or two years old, and everybody around them, their face was covered. Kids don't only learn by listening, they learn by watching our mouths. They can't speak because people's faces have been covered for so long. No one thought about that. No speech therapist went, hey, hang on a second. I think there's a, because I don't think we've ever studied it before. There was no need to study it, right? So there's long-term consequences for choices that were made, good or bad, right or wrong. I'm not here to have a judge or judgment or opinion about them. And if there's now consequences we're going to have to deal with, this is one of them. Because the long-term trauma of a child being abused It impacts them forever. I've been doing a lot of work with a fellow warrior here in Florida. She's a survivor of child trafficking. And she gave a number the other day, and I have it written down here that just blew me away. And this is one of those long-term impacts that we've got to start addressing right now. Um, We spend $480 million annually on the treatment of chronic illnesses that have not been treated based on childhood trauma. When childhood trauma is not addressed, it has long-term effects on your body. So arterial sclerosis, diabetes, arthritis, all those long-term chronic illnesses that cost our nation millions of dollars, that's why this is so important to have this conversation. It's uncomfortable and I get it. But that's why we're here. That's why we're having this conversation. You're not alone to talk to your kids about this. We have so many tools on our website. I have provided so much information. There's so many organizations that are trying to get this information out into our parents' hands. So they can actually have these weird, because it is, it's a weird dialogue. So honey, do you know about human trafficking? It's weird. We get it. You know, how do you bring it up? How do you start the conversation? But the fact that every single child we've talked to except for one who didn't have a phone has gotten an inappropriate message or picture from a stranger. You can't not talk about that anymore. It's not an over there issue. It's not in the poor neighborhood or underserved. It's everywhere. And that's the thing about child abuse child exploitation, and human trafficking. There is no socioeconomic, demographic, or geographic boundary. You can be in the middle of Manhattan, right? Upper West Side, or up to 123rd Street. Doesn't matter. Anyone can become a victim because these these predators are skilled at manipulating our children. And, you know, when I talk to the kids about what they've been dealing with for the past couple of years. You know, what I say is I'm like, I'm look, at best, we were neutral. On a good day, we were neutral. We weren't super, super happy. We weren't super, super sad. We were neutral. And then all it took, Matt, was an argument with my mom, a bad grade on a test. If I'm an overachiever, that's like devastating, right? My girlfriend or my boyfriend breaks up with me. My best friend and I have a fight. And I'm going. From, remember, we're neutral at best down here. And I get soccer punch, soccer punch, soccer punch. So where am I going to go? Right here. I'm going to go to my little device and see who's who's who's. You know what's happening? It's a dopamine hit, right? We want to feel better. Self medication. It's a dopamine hit. And there I am on my little Insta or my little Snapchat, and there's a message, and I'm like, well, you know, whatever, because I'm all because I'm now been knocked down. And here's a message from a cute boy or a cute girl going, hey, I see you play soccer too. We should talk. So in that moment of weakness, they're waiting for that moment of weakness. And you're like, sure, because I got to feel better. I have to feel better somehow. So I engage in this conversation with this stranger. And because of my whole life out on social media, they, it feels like they know me. Now for parents, our prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until we're 28 to 32. So in the world of shoulds, my child should know better doesn't apply here. This isn't cooked yet. The decision-making part of our brain isn't done. And we put an interstellar device in our kids' hands to be able to talk to the world, right, without any training and with a little bit of, okay, be careful. Don't don't send an inappropriate picture. And that's all. That's all they say. And then you've got this guy who knows everything about you, tells you how pretty you are, tells you how special you are. They just don't understand you. I like, I understand you. He pours his heart heart out, right? Remember, 45-year-old adult, 13-year-old child, okay? So within eight days, I'm in love. This guy knows me, he gets me, and then he asks for a picture, Because he loves me. Like that's some denotation of love. Shake my head. And I send it. And he's got me. He wants more and he wants more and he wants more and he wants more. And then suddenly I've got a 13-year-old child that's trapped in a vicious cycle of sending material to my boyfriend that I would never have done before. And all these guys online, all they want is content. 60%. You can go to Nick Nick's website, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They want content. It's all they want. They want those pictures to buy, sell, and trade online. They don't care about our kids. In fact, they're intentionally harming our children. And they don't care.
0: Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com, produced by Pen for Hire. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. While many writers are capable of writing entire novels without ever planning or getting writer's block, most need some kind of structure. Taking the raw thoughts out of your head and organizing before or during the writing process can drastically improve quality and efficiency. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation on our author coaching services today. And now back to the interview. I don't know if this is another bout of divine intervention, but as we were talking, our chat was getting bombed by Naked HD saying they were waiting for 18 plus streams. Mm -hmm. That's never happened on one of my shows before. I don't even know. We had to block them, but like six, seven messages trying to get someone to click on it.
1: Yep. And, you know, and luckily... This, I will say, the thing that I'm feeling better about is our te- the, the teenagers, like high schooly, and to some extent, our fifth graders. High schools, high schoolers, they're like, oh, I blocked delete. I blocked delete. And by the way, they're over having to block delete. They're over it, right? Because when people get hacked, right? If your Instagram got hacked and you sent me something, I'd be like, oh, Matt, sending me a message, right? i click on it and there's a picture that's not you. And... I didn't something I didn't ask for. And then you're like, whoa, it's like an it's an assault. You know, and we're adults. Imagine you're an 11, 12, 13 year old child and you get this picture and your brain is now impacted by it. Your body's secreting all kinds of hormones going, what the heck? What is this? And you're embarrassed. So you don't want to ask your parents. So you talk, go talk to your friends who are not going to necessarily give you the best advice either. It's like, oh, dude, let me see it, right? And so having those kind of conversations with our young people can literally save lives. For them to fully understand that, you know, no, there is no modeling agency on the planet that will fly you out to L.A. They don't do that. They don't do that. I have friends in that business. It's not how it works. But our kids don't know that. They want likes. They want loves. They want shares. And they'll do anything for it because it's a dopamine hit to feel better. So for parents, you got to get your your kids just really don't know. And we have a parent toolkit on our website that I'll have Matt drop in the chat that y'all can, it helps guide the conversation. And for any kids listening, and this is probably the most important piece I can give a child, is it's not your fault. If someone's lured you in, if someone's roped you in, in a low moment, it's not your fault. And it's okay to share that with someone, with a safe adult, because sometimes our parents aren't considered safe adults. It's okay. There's a teacher, there's a coach, there's a counselor, all of whom are trained inside this space, and they know what to do. And the last thing I want to leave with your Uh, listeners slash viewers, is I really want them to put the human trafficking hotline number in their phone. And that number is 888-3737-888. I'm going to say it again. You can put it in the chat. Um, 888-3737-888. That's the National Trafficking Hotline. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and the first question they'll ask you is, are you safe? And you say, yeah, I'm on the corner of X and Y. I'm at the gas station getting my afternoon coffee and there's just something off. There's a little girl, it's 30 degrees and she's got a short skirt and a tank top on. And it just doesn't feel right. And they'll guide you to what to do. On the other hand, if you see someone being shoved into a car, call call 911. 911. Yeah, call 911. They're actually trained. You know, take a picture of the license plate. But the whole point is we can no longer be bystanders of this. It's not okay. We are literally our brother's keepers. And it's our job to make sure people around us are aware, they understand what's potentially happening, and that they're safe.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I have an associate up here who is a part of Operation Underground Railroad. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Just started the Westchester chapter. Um, He does a lot of things like this. I would love to connect the two of you offline. Meeting of the mind can only uh, amplify the message.
1: Absolutely.
0: Incredible. Um, And Jen, what is is your website? I want to make
1: sure I drop that in the chat as well. Absolutely. Our website is pavingthewayfoundation.org. And then they can see the trailer of our film. At trappedfilm.com, and uh, we just finished writing our second film, and we're looking to get it uh, shot later on the summer.
0: Trap! Oh, my chat just went crazy. Trappedfilm.com. Perfect. All of that information is in the chat. So everyone oh, listening, okay. watching, please. Um, check out the information, put the number in your phone. Um, it's kind of a New York slogan, but I think it's really taken off. If you see something, say something, right? The, the infamous. Yeah, well, yes.
1: well, I yeah, I want to see something, do something. I don't say do take an action, dial that phone. There you go. Love it. Um,
0: so everyone you've just spent this time with Matt Harms and Jan Edwards talking about an incredibly worthy cause uh, that needs to end. So definitely take action. Do something. Um, any questions for Jan, head over to her website. You can always email me directly, Matt at penforhirenyc.com. We'll route your questions to the appropriate place and we will catch you all in the next episode. Jan, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure.